Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. That's right, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome, everyone, to this awesome podcast. Oh, yeah. Listen. Wow, listen. a new book. We are now doing our exodus from the book of Exodus, and we are entering a whole new world, the world of Pastor Nick's favorite book, Leviticus. Yes, don't be intimidated. Be inspired. I know. Many of you are sitting there, and you're thinking, oh, man, I really liked this podcast. I was listening every week, but now they're going to talk about Leviticus. Well, let not your heart be troubled. Because, oh boy, oh boy, if anybody can make Leviticus interesting, it's Pastor Nick. Let me just tell you, uh, when I used to read the Bible, when I was just you know going through like the yearly plan or something, I used to just get to Leviticus, it'd be 6 a.m., I'm trying to read the Bible, getting some prayer with the Lord, spend some quiet time, and then what did I do? I got the best sleep from 6, like 15 to 7 a.m., because I would always fall asleep when I got to the book of Leviticus. But I don't do that anymore. Why? Because I have context and I have all kinds of other cool stuff that I know now about the local Leviticus, and I enjoy it a lot more. So be encouraged. We are studying the Torah portion Vaikra, which means, and he called. In Hebrew, the book of Leviticus is also called Vaikra. Um, and uh, this Torah portion is found in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, and it's ending in chapter 6 and verse 7. Absolutely. Little introduction for the book of Leviticus, uh, because, of course, what book follows Leviticus, but Numbers... It's where we see where the people just blew it. So we really want to learn about these five sacrifices right out of the gate. And so with that, we, of course, have uh, the theme of Leviticus is you shall be holy. Remember, God wants a nation of priests. That's what he wants. He wants a nation of priests. Those are people that know the Torah, follow the Torah. It's in their heart and their mind. And he wants to scatter us throughout. So once again, Leviticus is you shall be holy. Now, chapters 1 through 17, it shows the way to God, and chapters 18 and 27 shows the walk with God. Once again, broken up into two sections here. Chapters 1 through 17 shows the way to God, and chapters 18 and 27 shows the walk with God. Uh, what's great about the book of Leviticus, it starts with consecration, and it ends with consecration. Remember, everyone, God will not ask you to do something that you cannot do. Uh, he is a holy God. He's asking you to be holy. You know, uh, he's asking you to be holy. So remember, your favorite cheese is Swiss cheese. Okay? Remember that. God's asking you to be holy because you can be holy. Why? Because he is holy. Okay? So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the very first uh, offering here, the burnt offering. In Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, Ryan's going to read that because we do believe in the public reading of scriptures. And uh, be encouraged. Here we go, the burnt offering. Yep, and as, as we're starting a new book, I want you guys to just uh, think to yourself uh, about the context of this book. And, and as we, we read this first portion, think about who is he speaking to and what is he saying. All right, it says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even the herd, and of the flock. If this 
If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order upon the wood that is in that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall be washed in water, shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. Now, once again, don't be intimidated by all of the references to the animals and to blood, because it is a bloody gospel, you know, and we all know that Yeshua shed his blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So now we're looking at a sacrificial system. You're going to see in the Old Testament where this was actually even taken and exploited by the enemy, Hasatan, to make multiple altars and to do different things, even to the point of Antiochus Epiphanes offering up a pig on the altar, which is total blasphemy. Now we say, well, those sacrifices have been done away with, blah, 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 but we're studying the principle. Now remember, right out of the gate, Yeshua is our final sacrifice, okay? But now we're going to study the sacrificial system, and I'm telling you, in all you're getting, get understanding, okay? So the very first offering found in Leviticus uh, is the burnt offering. Now this particular offering was voluntary. This was not compulsory or mandatory. This was a this was voluntary, a burnt offering. Now, picture this. A burnt offering is totally consumed on the altar. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Now, we know the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, of course, uh, Abel brought forth a, a, a flock, uh, you know, uh, a lamb, and uh, we know that Cain offered up, of course, first fruits, uh, agriculturally speaking. But, but also go back to just to re- to remember this: when Adam and Eve sinned, they cover themselves with fig leaves. But God says, "No, no, no! What you have done is gonna be uh, is gonna be done my way." He gave them coats of skins. So something had to die because of sin. Something had to die because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So once again, uh, but this is a voluntary offering, okay? Now, the, the following would be appropriate for a burnt offering. The following would be appropriate for a burnt offering. Uh, a bull without blemish, a male sheep or goat without blemish, and turtle doves or young pigeons. Now, I want to remind everyone as we look at these um, three different groupings of a, of a burnt offering, uh, it, it would show me three classes of people. It would show me the wealthy, the middle class, and the poor. So once again, you know, I don't believe that God is a socialist. Uh, I believe that, you know, he's, he's laying it out. Matter of fact, even when Yeshua was carrying the beam and 
was among the women. He says, listen, the poor you will always have, you know, uh, and even giving to the poor is recommended in the Bible, uh, you know, and, and not to be haughty, but to remember for those that are panhandling or begging or whatever, pray about it because you know what? Um, that's your chance to give to the poor. Uh, even when it comes to like a soup kitchen or whatever it is, uh, this is to help that class of people, the poor. Uh, not that God wants everybody to be poor, but there are there are poor in your society, in the culture. Now, this burnt offering would be a sweet savor to the Lord. And of course, the, uh, the blood was applied to the side of the altar. So get this picture of the burnt offering, totally consumed by the altar, and the blood was applied to the side of the altar. Now, let's go ahead and, and look at this in, in the way of how is the burnt offering symbolic of not only Yeshua, but to us as well. I'm going to have Ryan uh, read about Yeshua in Matthew chapter 24, verses 39 through 44. How many of you that Yeshua is our burnt offering? Amen. He went the distance. He, he totally went the distance. So in Matthew chapter 24, verses 39 through 44, this would be a depiction of him being our burnt offering. 39 through 44. Are you sure it's not 26? Matthew 24. 26 or 24? Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Matthew 26, I'm sorry. Yeah. So here we go. It Matthew says, 26. says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And he said unto, unto Peter, What could ye not watch more one hour? With me one hour? Watch and pray that ye not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Wow. If it be possible, take this cup from me. But if not, I'm drinking from this cup. You know, we want to go the distance. So here's Yeshua, of course, being a burnt offering. I, I referenced Matthew 24. That's the Olivet Discourse about what will take place before his return. Yeah, the one is left that's in the field a, and the other is taken. But I tell you, you know, that's exciting as well. So once again, Matthew 26, verses 39 through 44, it depicts Yeshua being the burnt offering. He gave his all for us. Amen. Amen. Uh, it, it's interesting. You know, he died so that we could live. I love that saying. He died so that we could live. Now, I'm going to have Ryan go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. How does the burnt offering apply to us? You know, so let's look at for the believer or the sons and daughters of God. Can, can we be a burnt offering? Can we give our total life to the Lord? You know, I don't know, but let's ask Paul. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow, a living sacrifice. That's an oxymoron. You know, there's pieces, there's body parts that don't get on the altar. There are parts of our life that aren't totally consumed by God. You know, and it's interesting, we put these, you know, these requirements on God. Well, I'll go this far, or I'll do this. You know, He wants the whole... He wants the whole body. He wants us to be totally, totally 
totally absorbed into him. No compartments for ourselves, uh, And that's what we do. We have these little compartments that we keep for ourselves. but he wants us to be totally sold out. And that's between you and the Holy Spirit. Uh, so once again, the burnt offering is the very first uh, sacrifice or offering mentioned. Now we're going to get into the, the meat offering, which is, of course, also referenced as a grain offering. This is actually voluntary as well. It would actually go with the burnt offering. We're going to talk more about that in Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Because what's steak and potatoes without a dinner roll? I guess so. It better be unleavened. (laughs) All right, so uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, uh, it says, And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar, to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if thou wilt bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if, it, if thy oblation be a meat offering bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering. And if thy oblation be a meat offering bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord, and when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof, and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offering uh, of the Lord made by fire. Wow. So now we're getting into this meat or grain offering. Once again, it's voluntary. It's the second offering found in Leviticus. The three ingredients that make up the meat or the grain offering uh, is fine flour, oil, and frankincense. Now I have a few little bullet points here that I'd like to read off to you so so you can have that and this podcast will be complete. Um, The remnant of the meat offering went to Aaron and his sons. The ingredients for an oblation or a gift of a meat offering baked in an oven was unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. So these examples that I'm giving you are the different ways that they could actually prepare this grain offering. The ingredients for an oblation or gift of a meat offering baked in a pan was fine flour unleavened with oil. Uh, The ingredients for an oblation or a gift of a meat offering in a frying pan was fine flour and oil. So once again, we have different ways of preparing. Baked in an oven, baked in a pan, a frying pan. Now, a portion of the meat offering was to be a memorial for the Lord, to remember. Uh, You can have no leaven or honey in your meat offering to the Lord. In the grain offering, you can have no leaven or honey. So think about it. You're offering up something unto the Lord that represents Him. It's symbolic of him, especially no leaven. Mm. The oblation of the first fruits can be offered to the Lord, but not burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. So now, agriculturally speaking, your first fruits can be offered to the Lord as a grain offering, uh, but it will not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. Uh, Every oblation 
uh, of the meat offering was seasoned with salt. Every oblation of the meat offering was seasoned with salt. So in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, And if thou offer a meat offering of thy first fruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy first fruits green ears of corn, or, you know, that's the grain offering, dried by the fire, even corn beaten out of full ears. That's Leviticus 2.14. So here we have uh, this, this particular offering, a meat offering, a grain offering, which is actually goes with the burnt offering. Uh, they say that if you would do a burnt offering, you would offer this as well to coincide with it. Now, how is the meat offering symbolic of not only Yeshua, but to us as well? Uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 uh, in Yeshua being without sin. So Hebrews 4, 15 would actually represent this particular uh, sacrifice or offering, the meat offering. And here it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Read that one more time. Hebrews 4.15. That's awesome. It is. It says... Uh, no leaven. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So there you go. There's your meat offering right there in Yeshua, Hebrews 4.15. Now, what about, the, the you know, for the believer? You know, what about no leaven for us? Uh, where can we find this in the Scriptures? How about 1 Corinthians 5.7? So 1 Corinthians 5.7 uh, would be a reference to what Paul was saying to the church in Corinth or to the Corinthian people. Uh, no leaven in 1 Corinthians 5.7. So check this out. How could we be even likened to these things. And it says here, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Does Paul say that they are unleavened? He, he does. likens them to be an unleavened bread. You know, uh, you know, the, the great men of God or the prophets or even God himself thinks more highly of us than we do ourselves. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was just remembering that. You know, Gideon was in the wine press, you know, threshing wheat hiding from the enemy, right? Because you're not going to look for somebody doing threshing wheat in a wine press, right? And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Oh, mighty man of God. The guy's a coward. He's afraid. <laughs> you great man of God. Is he, you talking to me? I mean, you know, imagine Gideon in that story. Yeah. So, you know, you, you need to have, you know, if you have low self-esteem, you need to work on that. Because yeah. you have value. You're, you're special. We're, we're sons and daughters of God. And the scriptures are very clear that we are all adopted. So, you know, this particular... Um, let's just put it to you like this, you know, when you quit giving, you have forgotten what, what has been given to you. And right. I've learned something, you know, this particular offering signifies Thanksgiving for first fruits. It signifies Thanksgiving for first fruits. It, it actually represents the servanthood for the believer. Yeah. You know, once you say, Hey Lord, I'm going to give you my entire life. And, and and so with the with the unleavened bread or the or the meat offering the grain offering which goes with that would signify okay Lord I'm ready to serve now in the capacity of no leaven you know uh, and I want to give you this offering to to prove uh, that I will I will do your bidding I will serve I will serve uh, as a burnt offering and so we can see this uh, which is of course symbolic of not only Yeshua but us as well Ryan do you have any thoughts on that because 
it's it's kind of an interesting offering because it's not a bloody offering. Right. So I, I was going to say, you know, in contrast Breaking to the burnt bread and everything. In contrast to the burnt offering, where the burnt offering uh, atones for sin um, of of really of all kinds, right? It's it's a general one because you're when it's burnt offering, it's totally consumed. It's taken up. Um, you know, if you take something and you're not going to reap any benefits from it, and neither are the priests, this one's you know atoning for sin. But then the grain offering, uh, not so we, it's called meat in the King James because in Old English they're using meat for grain, but it's really a grain offering in in modern English. Um, this one being something that I'm thankful for, so I'm bringing my first fruits to the Lord. I'm bringing a grain offering to the Lord uh, in, in order for blessing. Right, He blessed us, so we're giving back to Him. And then this, obviously, uh, you know, the priests get to partake in this. But more than that is you don't just bring wheat, right? So you don't just bring, you don't just go harvest the wheat and then bring some stalks into the, uh, into the 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 tabernacle and give it to the priests. Uh, you actually have to get it all the way down to fine flour at least. Um, and so Miss Libby does a great teaching uh, on the Omer and talks about uh, comparing us to the the process of becoming fine flour, right? That that you know we grow and then we're harvested. Uh, being our salvation, right? We're brought into the barn, and then they separate the the wheat from the chaff, and and then you're parched and dried by fire. That's the trials, right? And then you're crushed and ground finally until you produce what we would consider like that's a, ma- a good point. A mature I never believer. About counting of the Omer. And so you end up as this fine flour, and then what are you done? You're mingled with oil, right? You're anointed uh, by the Holy Spirit and with frankincense, which is also an oil, um, but just look at this as you you come in, you're coming with a mature offering something that you had to serve the lord in order to make this 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 end product and then you're bringing this to the lord so it's not just something to where hey i'm bringing this animal no i'm bringing something that i labored over uh in love and i'm bringing it and offering it to god um, and if we look at that as a picture of our lives as believers we should be laboring to make our lives just like we we talked about um uh, what was it in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, to make ourselves a living offering, uh, uh, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Is your life, are, are you fine flour, or are you still trying to get the chaff and the wheat separated, you know? It's a good point. It's a, it's a bloodless offering, which would signify, hey, let's break bread, you know, let's yeah. serve together. Uh, it's interesting that the unleavened bread is found in the 12 loaves on the table of showbread. Right. So when you break bread together, it's because you're not unequally yoked, or you don't have unwise association, you're hanging around people that want to be unleavened. I think it's great. I think that's awesome. We're going to move on now to the third uh, offering, the peace offering. This is voluntary, of course, as well. Uh, the third offering in Leviticus. And uh, Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, in right. regards to the peace offering. All right, and if this, his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd... Whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks in the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall be, it shall he take away. 
And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, whether it is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire a, uh, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about upon the altar. You know, it's interesting. I wow. see in, bo- in both of the offerings, the burnt offering and the peace offerings that we've discussed so far, in both cases, they, they lay their hands upon it. And then it is the offer that actually kills the animal that slits Oh, we're, we're going to get into that. I mean, think about it. The, the blood from the burn offering went on the side of the altar. We're going to see the same thing for this peace offering. It, it, it's going to be bloody. Once again, the third offering found in Leviticus is the peace offering or shalom. Now the peace offering could come from the herd and be a male or female without blemish. Uh, and then of course in Leviticus 3, 2, it says, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priest shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. Mm. Now, the peace offering could be a goat. Leviticus 3.12 also noticed that this was something that was totally consumed. Uh, The two kidneys and the fat that is on them are removed along with the call above the liver. Uh, Leviticus chapter 3, verses 4, 10, and 15. Once again, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them are removed along with the call above the liver. Now, all of the fat from the peace offering belong to the Lord. Leviticus 3.16, all of the fat from the peace offering belonged to the Lord. Uh, Ryan, if you could read Leviticus 3.17 in reference to fat and blood as well. Let's go ahead and read that. Yeah, it says, It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that you neither uh, eat neither fat nor blood. That you eat neither fat nor blood. Now, the peace offering was voluntary, and the peace offering was the only offering in which the offerer shared. So, Ryan, the burnt offering is totally consumed. There's no kidneys taken out, okay? Oh, and by the way, uh, we'll get into the the, uh, the the skin of the bull would go to the priest. Uh, that would be the only thing that would be saved. But 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 that's, I believe, in Leviticus 7.8. You want to look that up? Leviticus 7.8? I can. And uh, just read that real quick here. I want to make sure that I'm correct on the address and the statement that the uh, the skin of the bull would go to the, the priest that offered it. Yep, it says here, and this is under the heading trespass offering, but it says, And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he hath offered. So that was a fringe benefit for that priest. If you went to that priest, he that's what he got for his for his duties. Uh, very interesting of reciprocation. Especially from the with Lord. a bull, man. That's I'm, a lot of work. I'm telling you what, that's incredible. So just think about this, everyone. Um, you know, um, it's a picture of sharing the blessings of God with other people. This is the only offering that you get to eat from. So think about it. If you totally give your life to the Lord and you, and you serve Him and you serve His people, God's going to bless you. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? People are going to ask you, Ryan, you're having this special dinner and you're having this little party. What happened? And you say, hey, God's blessed me. That's right. And I want you to share in this... This barbecue. I want you, you to so share that's this one offering. piece offering. But let's say that like you and I are neighbors. You know what I mean. And, and I just need to work on our relationship. You know, like right. There's just this uh, this tension. Yeah. Maybe I say, hey, you know what? Let's go 
and I'm I've got this 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 fattened calf or whatever this fat. That's right. Let's you know, go to Burn Steakhouse. C- come on, yeah. Let's. I don't know. Let's go have a meal together, like, man. What? Yeah. Say so, yeah. You know what? I just you know I got my own company now. Yeah, we're not going to really just do this in the field. Me. We're going to do it right. Let's go to yeah, the tabernacle. God's, you know, you bless me with my own company and everything. You know. <laughs> And I go to Beit <laughs> What are you laughing? I'm telling you, this is how this works, right? I'm telling you, whenever I go astray, I always look back on the offerings. Have I been sacrificing yeah. you know, the things that I need to sacrifice to the Lord? You know, Am I a burnt offering or am I trying to renege? Yes. You know what? Oof. I'm going to just take a break here and just give half to the Lord. You know? Ooh, you half don't... the bowl. Yeah, then you get half the blessing. It doesn't like, work. What happened, Lord? Now, now if, if, what if happened? I'm going to have Ryan go to John 14, 27. What's an example of a peace offering? I love this, what Yeshua does. We could get into a lot of peace verses, you know, if there's any hippies out there. Uh, peace to you. But Yeshua in, in John 14, 27 says something really interesting that only he could give, okay? And so I want Ryan to read it because it's, uh, it's, it's in the New Testament. It's, it's relevant. He does. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Yeshua is our peace offering. He's the king of peace. Think about it. Wow. You're not scraping and scrounging. You're not living in poverty. You know, how are you going to further the kingdom in poverty? I mean, you're not. I mean, how, right? how, how are you going to do anything? If we're scraping and we're scrounging... You know, it takes money to do the vision. I'm telling you, Ryan, it takes money to build a strong community and raise the next generation. Amen. We've outgrown the living room. It does. But even there, you got to pay mortgage. You got to pay the light bill. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and so I'm going to have snacks and refreshments because people are going to get hungry. You know, and it's a better life, everyone. God blesses you. Well, and to that extent, right, there's there's two ends of that bell curve. There's the side that says, oh, if you're going to be a Christian, then you have to put yourself in abject poverty because that's that's your sacrifice. And then the other side that says it's it's prosperity, like you deserve to be. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be a bajillionaire. And if you're not a bajillionaire, it's because your faith isn't strong enough, right? We won't even get into that. I'm just saying there's two... that's why you're not healed, because you didn't have faith enough. But there's two ends But we're talking about peace, guys. I mean, come on. How many of you could use a a, a dump truck of peace right now? I mean, I want to be wealthy I want a dump truck of peace. I want shalom. Shalom. And what about the believer? What about the believer? In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God... Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to be celebrating Passover this year, and our theme is the person of Yeshua, the person of Jesus. He's a real person, everyone. You know, we come out with these prayers, our Father who are... And this is great. It's a model prayer. But Jesus loves it when you vent to Him, when you cry out to Him, when you want to be saved by him, when you're frustrated, he, he wants to have that discussion with you. And you need to vent, you know, and he's given us a great counselor, the Holy Spirit. So what about Colossians 1.20, Ryan, in regards to peace? Can you find that for me? Yeah, first, first uh, is it Colossians? It's Colossians 1.20. I was going to say, because I don't think it's First Corinthians. Like it no, says it's not. That. It's Colossians 1.20. <laughs> so in regards to the peace offering or peace. And it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Wow. Think about this. Let's just have a dinner, have friends over and say, listen, you know what? I just, I want to have this dinner because of our friendship, because I want to get together and I want to share this with all of you that, you know what? I have eternal life. Hey, come over to my house. We're going to sacrifice a lamb. Yeah. I don't think that goes over the same no, way no, as it No, no, but what to. I'm trying to say is that, <laughs> think about it. You're going to be like, listen, Yeshua lets me be Israel. 
He says that he's the root of the olive tree, and I'm grafted in, and I'm a Gentile. I'm the nations coming back. Thank you, Yeshua. Oh, yeah. I get to be grafted in. I get to be a part of Israel. There's natural branches and wild, and you have this big peace offering, and you, and you celebrate, and you have fun. You say, why are you doing this? Because I am having a peace offering. So once again, those three uh, offerings are voluntary. Now we're going to get into compulsory. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, we're going to get into the sin offerings now. Uh, and Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Once again, we are hitting the fourth um, offering, which is a sin offering, which is compulsory. So let's check that out. All right, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin which he hath sinned a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering." And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood, and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense, before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of burnt offerings, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Wow. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's a bloody gospel. Sure is. Sin offering. Sin. Hatat. Missing the mark. You know, uh, and, and I love what the, uh, what this, what the scriptures say. I'm going to go there. Um, Let's see here. In, in 1 John 3, 4, so here we go. Now we have sin, right? Uh, it says here in 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. Mm-hmm. For sin is the transgression of the law. So what is the Torah? It's teachings and instructions, and it shows us what sin is. That's right. You know, we start with ourselves, and we, we work our way, you know, outwardly, but, but I'm saying that this is incredible. It's the fourth offering found in Leviticus, the sin offering. Now, the reason for a sin offering is if a soul shall sin through ignorance, Ryan, Leviticus 4, to ignorance. So it's unintentional sin. Yeah, it's unintentional. So it's not like, hey, I knew I wasn't supposed to do this and I did it, You know. so now uh, I bring a sin offering? And, and this is just, like I said, we're taking the scriptures literally here, so this is done in ignorance. Uh, we've done a lot of things in ignorance. So uh, a priest was required to bring a young bullock without blemish for his sin offering, uh, Leviticus 4.3. So once again, we're, we're talking about the sin offering. Even the high priest, even the priesthood needed a sacrifice. That's right. There's no hierarchy here, you know. The priest was to, of course, lay his hand upon the bull before killing it. Uh, the priest would sprinkle the blood seven times before the Lord and at the veil of the sanctuary. Once again, the priest would sprinkle the blood seven times before the Lord and at the veil of the sanctuary. We know the life of the flesh is in the blood, okay? The blood was applied to the altar of incense on the four horns. Wow, it represents prayers, intercession. Uh, The rest of the blood from the bull was poured at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering. Uh, Before sacrifice in the bullock, the priest had to remove the two kidneys. Remember, the two kidneys, it's not a burnt offering, which is totally consumed. He had to remove 
the two kidneys. So if Ryan could read Leviticus chapter 4, verse 12. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out, and burn him on the wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out, shall he be burnt. Wow, check this out. Now, here's a reference in Hebrews 13, 11 to this, and it represents Yeshua. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wow. Check this out. Verse 12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Outside the gate. Wow. Here we go. Yep. What a, what a, what an awesome picture. Uh, continuing on in this particular sin offering, uh, a young bullock was used for the whole congregation of Israel as a sin offering. So a young bullock is the greatest sin offering you could give, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But the elders of the congregation were responsible for laying their hands on the bullock. So think about it, right? You have a priesthood, then you have, your, of course, your, your elders, your leaders, and you have the whole congregation of Israel. See the, uh, the, uh, the echelons of accountability and leadership. Uh, the requirement for the application of the blood was the same for the congregation as it was for the priests. Mm. The priest was to make atonement for the people so they could be forgiven when presenting their sin offering. Mm. Wow. A ruler was required to bring a male kid of the goats without blemish for his sin offering. Once again, a ruler... Now, the ruler was responsible for laying his hand upon the goat and killing it. Mm. Now, once again, if you couldn't do it, the priest was there to help you, but it was really you doing it. You know, uh, that's, that's a lot. You know, I'm, I'm an animal lover. That would be tough for me. And, of course, you know, um, as far as a commoner goes, uh, what would they need to carry out their sin offering for a commoner, uh, just a basic layperson? Uh, a female kid of the goats or a young female lamb without blemish? For a sin offering, a female kid of the goats or a young female lamb without blemish. You can find this in Leviticus chapter 4, verses 28 and 32. Now, we're not going to read this, but you're going to see in, in, in Leviticus chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, acts of sin. So now we're going to have examples of, okay, what is a sin example? I love this. Failing to speak and reveal the truth when under oath. Once again, it's your speech. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So failing to speak and reveal the truth when under oath. Boy, this government would be in trouble, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. All the perjury and the felonies and the... Wow. Failing to purify self when one is unclean. So failing to purify self when one is unclean. So not taking the proper measures to become clean. Also, in the state of uncleanness uh, is considered a sin. Uh, speaking and swearing rashly and quickly forgetting what was said or shirking responsibility for it. Let's play back that tape. What about not keeping your word? It, would that be a sin, Ryan? If you said you were going to do something and you didn't do it, is it a sin? Yes. Even if you have unforeseen circumstances, think about it. Mm -hmm. I was caught in traffic. I'm telling you guys, this is amazing. I mean, we have totally dumbed down sin, you know? Like there's levels of sin, you know. It says right here, Leviticus chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, these are acts of sin, and it's about speaking. Speaking and swearing rashly and quickly forgetting what was said or shirking responsibility for it. You know, the Bible speaks against coarse jesting. But what if you said something, you said, oh, I didn't mean it. Uh-oh, we're in trouble, right? We are in trouble. 
Now, here here are the uh, appropriate sacrifices needed for a sin offering. I know you guys are chewing on that last little segment there. I know I'm chewing on it myself. You know, you come in the door and you want to say something to your wife or kids. Well, you might want to reconsider. So the following are appropriate sacrifices needed for a sin offering. Uh, Leviticus chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 and verse 11. A female lamb or a kid of the goats. Two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One-tenth a part of an ephah of fine flour. A.K.A. an omer. Yeah, an omer. Three classes of people, right? We have three classes of, of, of course, sacrifices that are appropriate offerings for a sin. A female lamb or a kid of the goats. Uh, It could be, you know... The wealthy, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, middle class. If you're poor, one-tenth a part of an ephah of fine flour. Now, once again, the sin offering is compulsory. Where is your offering, Ryan? This is I asked Pastor Russell yesterday, hey, where's your sin offering or where's your offering? And he said, it's in heaven. Boom. I like that. Drop that was really good. That was very good. So Leviticus chapter 5, verse 9. Let's see what happens with the blood on this. Ryan, it's going to read... Leviticus 5, uh, verse 9. It says, And he shall sprinkle of the blood of the sin offering upon the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be wrung out at the bottom of the altar. It is a sin offering. Wow. A sin offering. And the blood goes where? At the bottom of the altar. Hey, you know what, Ryan? Why don't you go ahead and read while we're there. Let's go to Revelation and read about the altar in heaven. Some of you are is there an altar in heaven? And I do believe it's it's go ahead and read Revelation 8 verses 3 through 5. So you're gonna see the altar of incense, you're gonna see the altar itself, you're gonna see the golden censer. So check this out. This is Revelation 8, verses 3 through 5 in reference to some of this tabernacle furniture. Yep, here it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake." So think about it. Here's, you have an altar of incense. You have censer, right? But he takes the fire from the altar. See, Nadab and Abu had strange fire. Nadab and Abu had strange fire, which came from where we don't know. Flicked their bick, whatever they did. They did not get this fire from the altar. And the altar is to burn continually, everyone. You know, I gave my life to the Lord in March of 92, and it was in the evening. I remember that much, and it was dark out. So that's all I know. So when did you give your life to the Lord? When did you grab the horns of the altar and cry out for salvation unto the Lord? You know, and that's what that's what it's all about. If you confess with your mouth and that you believe in your heart, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Think about it. He did the work. He did the work. So here is the of the of course the sin offering. Uh, what about Yeshua? Can we can we say that that he's our sin offering? Absolutely. In in Second Corinthians five twenty one, I'm going to read it. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the biggest battle you're all going to have, everyone, is to recognize the Son of God for, for who he is and what he is and what he's done, 
what he's going to do. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And of course, we know that Paul was going into an arena or a culture that was full of Greek mythology. Zeus was the most powerful God, and Jesus usurped him. Jesus usurped Zeus uh, as the church expanded. More people believed in Jesus than Zeus. He, he dethroned him. I love it. So he is, of course, our sin offering. Uh, and that entails the sin offering. We're going to move on now to uh, the trespass offering. This, is, of course, is compulsory. The last and final offering. Uh, Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 5, verses 14 through 19, and, and he's going to be uh, reading it right out of the King James Version. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks, with thy estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done in the holy thing, and shall add the fifth part thereto, and give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. And if a soul sin and commit any of these things, which are forbidden to be done by the commandment of the Lord, though he wist it not, Yet he is he guilty, and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation for, tres for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance, wherein he erred and wist it not. And it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He hath certainly trespassed against the Lord. Wow, the trespass offering, the fifth and final offering found in Leviticus, everyone, the trespass offering. Let's look at this trespass offering, the final one here. Of course, five is the number for grace. You know, five is the number for grace. So he didn't ask for four offerings or, you know, three, but five. So uh, the animal used for the trespass offering in Leviticus 5.15 is a ram without blemish. Once again, a trespass offering would be a ram without blemish. Now, here's a great question that you can answer, Ryan. Uh, could you trespass against the Lord and man? Uh, absolutely. And when you trespass against man, you are also trespassing against the Lord. Very interesting. How many of you are familiar with the uh, the, the, the pastures and the farms and, and you'll see a no trespassing sign? Oh, yeah. And what do we do? We trespass. Oh, yeah. No trespassing. Not me. I was a rule follower. I would Debt or debtors. You know, I guess that's the King James Version in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, in regards to a trespass, debt and debtor, uh, as we forgive you know, those who you have sinned against us, the trespasses. So yeah, we can trespass against the Lord and we can trespass against each other. Uh, that's found in Leviticus chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Leviticus chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. So here we go. Let's look at a trespass offering. Let's look at an example here. So uh, what was the amount required to pay back when one trespassed against the Lord or man? It was 20% of one-fifth. One-fifth. Now, when a person trespassed against another person with something that was of material value, was the principal restored plus one-fifth? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I love it. Years ago, Monty Judah gave an example of a barbecue grill. The owner has a barbecue grill. You borrow it. You bring it to your house, and you cook, and the thing just goes south. It breaks apart or blows up or whatever happens. Well, you know, you have to replace that barbecue grill plus 20% of the value of the barbecue grill. Now, that's God's standard, everyone. Yes. Think about it. Well, we just say things like, oh, well, you know, you know, whatever. 
you know, your loss. Oh, well, sorry. Sorry. You know, sorry. Sorry is so, a board game. <laughs> so think about it, everybody. This is a standard. So let's, I, I like to use the example. I love to read. And sometimes people will let me borrow a book. I really say, could I have it? Because, you know, if I get somebody and gives me a book, I like to market it and do different things. But I give this example of a book. What if somebody gave me a book and I spilled coffee all over it, but I had to give it back? Let's say I go to Amazon Prime and I really save on that book. Let's say that book's just 20 bucks through Amazon, but it's like 25 or $30 in the store. Well, I could take that $20, I buy them the new book, and I got to give them 20% of the value of that book, which is what, Ryan? Another five bucks. Well, it would be $4 at that point, but Four, well, who's counting? Yeah, well, yeah, what is it? Is it 20%? 20%. 20% would be $4. $4. Thanks for helping me out with that. You're welcome. So I'm, I'm trying to show you the standard and the principle. How many times would you blow people away if you gave something back plus the 20% and they say, hey, uh, you don't need to do that? Well, that's the standard. Yeah. Whoa. Be like, I'm not doing it for Whoa. you. I'm doing it for Jesus. Yeah. Whoa. There's the standard, everyone. You <laughs> but know, you I, get to benefit from Jesus. You standard. know what? I actually had somebody come to me and, and, and share a story about the, there was some damage done to another car, and I forget the amount, and they gave him 20% on top of that. And they told him that. This is biblical. This is the standard that God gives for us. Why? Listen up, everybody. God cares about your stuff. He cares about your material possessions and items. Absolutely. You know, those are your possessions. Those are your it's your property. It's, it's your stuff, you know. But the trespass offering was compulsory. Oh, yeah. So we have this sin offering. We know that Yeshua died for our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. But how is the trespass offering symbolic of Yeshua? I mean, can we say he's our trespass offering? What about Colossians 2.13? Now, remember, Paul was taken to the backside of the desert, everyone. He was shown so many things. I mean, he knew the Torah. He knew the prophets. But he was taken to the backside of the desert. He was sh shown incredible things. How to form a church government. The five-fold ministry. That we don't battle against flesh and blood. The armor of God. All these incredible things. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. I mean, he was shown so many cool things for the church that we take for granted. But what about the trespass offering in Colossians 2.13? Here's what it says. It says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh... Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses? Wow. See, wow. we can't just go out there and say things against people. You know, verbally we trespass people. Yeah, the next verse is a good verse, too. Yeah, read it. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which he contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, does that mean he took the you Torah? You need to read the next verse, too. Okay, fine, fine. No, fine, read, because what did he do against the enemy of our soul? And having spoiled principalities yes. and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So if God died for our sins through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, why do you want to continue to do those sins? That's right. He's like, hey, hey got you, uh, to the enemy. But think of it. So the enemy's over there, right? Because the, the accuser of the brethren, what does he do? He's at the throne of God day and night accusing you and me of our sins. And some of the stuff that he says, unfortunately, at least in my case, is true, right? He's telling the Lord and he's accusing us of things that we have done, trespasses we have committed. And yet here it says that that handwriting, he's like, oh, thanks. I'll take that from you, right? The Lord, he hands it to Jesus and Jesus goes and goes... And he nails it to the cross. He the, takes the charge. That's right. The handwriting and ordinances, basically the, the 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 accounts against you, right? 
He's taking it and he's nailing it to the cross, saying, I've forgiven them once and for all, for all of their sins, past, present, and future. Wow. wow. And it's a free gift, right? So we didn't even pay for this, this bull or this lamb, this, this Messiah, this Savior that is coming to, to be our, our sacrifice once and for all. We didn't even pay for this, but yet it's been given to us freely. And our job to receive it, to accept and, and, you it. Know, you can't come to the Father except through the Son. Come on now. You know, I, I had that conversation last night with Yeshua. I said, Yeshua, I really need to know you if I want to know the Father. If I want to come to the Father, I need to know you. I need to come through you. That's right. And that's important that you understand the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Shema, hero is or the Lord our God. The Lord is one. But the three are one, everyone. I'm telling you, this is a real truth. We believe in the Godhead at Beit Tehila. We really, really do. And 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 so... in. in Conclusion here, to conclude, uh, Ryan and I want to just finish it up with Vayikora, and he called Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 through 6 through 7, uh, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, uh, from a consensus of the group? This is what we do every Monday night. We encourage you to come and be a part of the group. Uh, here are my two. First of all, number one, the wages of sin is death. So if there's a sin, something has to die. All these animals had to die because of man's sins. You know, man is, is a superior being. He's the homo sapien. He, he can reason. Animals can't reason. But, of course, the wages of sin is death, number one. I, and this is what you see. The blood's being poured out on the altar. Oh, my gosh. Peter would have a field day with this. Animal activists, they would freak out over this. Number two, here's the question. Where is your sacrifice? Yeshua made mention to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Now, the Orthodox Jews would say that, you know, Yeshua, you know, he was a good rabbi, a good teacher, but he wasn't the son of God and he wasn't God. And I respect that, you know, but I would like to say on behalf of Pastor Nick Plummer and Beit Tehillah Congregation that, yes, we do believe that Yeshua HaMashiach is our sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Uh, I do believe there's variations of this, but eating from the tree of the knowledge of the Good and evil has brought us death, and now we want to eat from the tree of life, which is Yeshua. So those are my two things, Ryan. I don't know what you have, but uh, that's what I see out of these five sacrifices. And once again, next week, we'll also be covering these sacrifices as well, kind of repeating the things that we shared even now. Yep. So uh, there's there's a lot in here. There's a lot of symbolism and stuff like that, but I'm uh, I'm a simple guy. So I have I have two things. The first one is confession. Oh, and am I, am I complicated? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Or maybe just, uh, was it, was that too deep for you? I don't know. I don't know. No, well, it was all right. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Anyways, I'm saying I wasn't comparing myself to you. I was no, just I saying, your thought process I was just saying here. I'm a simple guy. And so for me, it's like, okay, what, 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 how does this apply to Ryan? So the first thing I got was confession. Leviticus 5, 5 says, and it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing. And Very then, good. And at that point, we bring our offering, right? So it's at the point of confession. So uh, your offering to God doesn't do you any good until you have confessed the sin, right? So we wow. have to confess our sin, and at that point, we are then able to to bring the offering to and the Lord. And you're actually com- completing the action. Right. Well, and that you to me... It, you're actually doing it. And that to me, it acknowledges, because we have to, in order for the sin to... Because, right, we're, we're placing our hands on this animal when we're bringing the sacrifice, uh, that we have to at least acknowledge the sin that we're putting on it. Because if we don't, then guess what? That sin stays with you. Unconfessed sin 
is is gonna just haunt you and just hold you captive. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So that was my first thing. Confession, confession, confession. Here's the other interesting interesting thing about confession and secret sins and the things that people hold uh, onto forever and hide and things like that. Um, the very thing that you that the world or the enemy is telling you that you should be afraid of and that you should not do, which is confess, is the very vehicle that God has created for you to receive healing, bringing things to the light so that he can can deal with it and work with it and expose it. So in all of those things, right, those are the things we fear, but God created the healing through this. So that's my first one. My second one was, uh, the wages of sin is death. Hebrews 9.22 says this. It says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. What does that mean? It means that there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. That's not my rule. That's God's rule. God created this entire system here as a precursor pointing to the sacrifice of his only son. Abraham in the Akedah, in in bringing his son, was a foreshadowing that, hey, you know what? You don't have to do that because I've actually already got a plan. I'm going to put together all of this so that you will understand the significance of what my son is going to do. And so the wages of sin is death. We can see if it's not our death and the punishments that we've seen through the, the commandments in Exodus and the punishment for not keeping the Sabbath and all those things being the death, but it's the death of an animal as well, that the blood must be shed for the atonement of the sin. And so what we should be getting out of this is we should be saying, wow, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Yeshua, for what you did, because what you did is you took all of this and you sacrificed yourself so that I wouldn't hold these things upon me, that no longer am I just covering up temporarily my sins by bringing forth an animal, but you have taken my sins and removed them away and washed me clean white as snow by your blood, and that I can receive that as a free gift through my belief in you. And I think that's just awesome. So those are the two things that I got. Confession and the wages of sin. So if you're listening to this and you're now thinking, man, I can probably get into this whole Leviticus thing. I told you so. And if you're not, well, uh, just wait till next week. Maybe we'll make it more interesting for you because Leviticus, uh, there is a lot more to it and, uh, and we'll get there. And remember, the first half of Leviticus 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 through 27 is the walk with God. Um, and we're learning about being holy, being set apart unto God. And I think that that's a lost art. And so if your flesh tends to uh, resist this idea, maybe you should give into your spirit and just press in a little bit even harder. Um, And so thank you guys for listening. We love you. Uh, We obviously appreciate uh, all of your prayers and your donations and all of that uh, to the ministry. Uh, You can find us at twopraise.net where you can uh, live stream uh, our services on Saturdays. You can also catch us on all the social media platforms. Uh, and you can call the office, 813-654-2222, and you can email me, ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. God bless you guys. Have a great week.